Hawks live every Thursday from 7 to 9 live at Snoqualmie Casino. Now, here's your host, Dave Wyman. Hey, it's Hawks Live. We're live right here at the Snoqualmie Casino. Show starts every Thursday right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. Dave Wyman joined by Paul Moyer and Michael Bumpus. Guys, good to have you back. You had a little week off there, and uh, you're back and ready to analyze Seahawks football. Yeah, we, we were both off, huh? Yes, you were. I had Big Ray Roberts here. Yeah. yeah it was refreshing. <laughs> refreshing? <laughs> was it like a light, nice lemonade or something? Yeah, sort of like and a we're, fresca. We're, we're more like a, an IPA. Yes, yes. that's yes. what you are, bitter. Yes, we're bitter. Yeah. But well, strong. But, but, yeah, and strong, yeah, but we're not bitter after that loss. How about that for a yeah. transition there, yeah. huh? Let's recap this game last week with the Buccaneers. Um, I feel like, you know, on the media side, you sort of look for everything that's bad or what's what to worry about. And then, you know, as a player, I go, man, I was never 7-2. and two. Never. Maybe in high school. But 7-2 and two is awfully good. But, but, yeah, I understand all of everything what's going on because, you know, for example, San Francisco went to Tampa Bay and beat them pretty handily. Yeah. You know, they also beat Cincinnati pretty handily on the road. And the Seahawks have not done that. They have not had those kinds of games. They had to go into overtime to beat uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But I'll tell you what, Bump, I mean, with the quarterback that you have, and that's the one thing, you know, we can talk, we're going to talk all about the defense. And by the way, coming up, uh, we're going to get an opponent preview from Jennifer Lee Chan at NBC Sports Bay Area. And then also we're going to talk to Joey Hunt, who has done a great job. And we'll be talking about him and what this offense did. And, uh, and then also uh, K.J. Wright's going to be playing some sort of video game with uh, FIFA. Okay, it's soccer. Yeah. I just don't see with K.J. With Paul Gallant from the morning, from the morning uh, show. Yeah, you don't see him as a soccer guy? He's playing Paul? He's playing Paul Gallant. Is Paul a video guy? Uh, we will see. Okay. We will find out. We'll All see right. if he gets schooled. But, guys, what, uh, what was your sort of impression after that game? I think there was some frustration about the Seahawks. Uh, defense allowing a lot of yards same thing the week before giving up what 460 yards to a backup quarterback but bump you know you look now all of a sudden i feel like we go back and forth on russell wilson nationally oh all of a sudden he's an mvp candidate again thank you very much but we've kind of known that here uh here in the great northwest for pretty much the whole season yeah and, and with russell it seems like every week he has to prove that he's an MVP to where a guy like an Aaron Rodgers is going to have an off week. Oh, he had an off week. He comes back. He throws a couple of touchdowns. Oh, he's yeah. back in the mix. And I, th- I think that's the Russell Wilson effect. That's the I'm not cocky enough. I'm not in the right media market. Um, my team is not performing at a certain level that people expect him to perform. So every week he has to prove that he's an MVP. And going off of last week, it is what it is. I- I'm at the point now to where we're halfway through the season. Okay, no more moves can be made as far as trades or whatnot. So just get used to this defense. I spoke earlier in the week, uh, I think on the the Danny and Paul show. It's like this is the ultimate bend but don't break defense. All right, last week they gave the DBs lined up outside shade. They gave up the slants. They gave up the curls. But when it got down into the 20, um, they kind of bowed up a little bit. So um, as a fan, it frustrates me. But as an analyst, I look and I see what they're doing, and I'm like, okay, I don't – they don't seem confident enough to take a lot of chances. So they're going to keep everything in front, and they're going to hope that they do enough to let Russell Wilson win the game for them at the end of the day. 
It's interesting because uh, we were up 24 to nothing against Atlanta, right? <clears throat> and they come back and make a game of it. Everybody goes, oh, you're up 24 nothing. Last week we're down 21 to 7. We come back, take the lead, no and it's the lead. same thing. <laughs> you know, so it, it doesn't matter. Um, you know, defensively, I bump you're right. You're, you're seven and two. You are you are who you are. I mean, now you just find ways to win games. We've done a pretty good job on that. We're seven and two. We're about to play a very tough team, a very tough schedule coming up. I'm curious to see how we hold up. We usually do play to our competition, and this, to me, the team we're about to play is the best team we played all year. And we've played New Orleans, and we've played Baltimore, who are two fantastic teams. It is a battle. It, it is shocking to me the improvement that San Francisco has made from last year to this year. Defensively, they averaged last year 0.1 turnovers per game. Yeah, Basically, that's zero. Didn't they have like one interception? I think they had two. two yeah. 0.1. This year, you know, they're at like 1.8 or something like that. You look at their everything. Sacks are off the charts. Yards per game off the charts. Everything. And now I was telling you guys earlier, if you took San Francisco and said, I'm just going to treat them as a player and look at that player and the improvement that that player made from last year to this year, you would swear they were on steroids. So there's no way you make that big of an improvement in one year. And yet they have, and they're fun to watch. They're aggressive. They're beatable. I, mean, I think we, you know, we can run the football on them, I, I believe, defensively. We've got to take our chances downfield, and we've got to play arrowless football on defense. But it's going to be a tough football game. You know, I, you said this is the best team that the Hawks have faced all year. I think this is the best team that the Niners have faced all year. Yep. Last year, Jimmy goes out early. You know, and, and they're not performing. They're not doing the things they need to do. So for them to make that jump, it's surprising, but then it makes sense at the same time because they didn't have their franchise quarterback. But also, they haven't played the Hawks yet. Common opponents, we've all beat the same guys except for the Redskins and, and the Panthers. Other than that, I think this uh, Niner, uh, excuse me, the Seahawks team will be the best team the Niners team has faced. That's kind of interesting talking to people in the Bay Area that you got that sort of sense of, some trepidation down there that they were like, yeah, they have not played a team like the Seahawks. And if you look at their schedule, I think they have to go to New Orleans and Baltimore. I know they're playing both those teams. they got to come to Seattle, which is always a tough place to, to win. So, yeah, they're, they're oh, they kind got of a tough schedule. You're right. they got Green Bay. they got Green Baltimore, Bay. New Orleans. they got the Rams again. they got to come at right. Seattle. Man, we got a tough schedule, too, but theirs right. is, you know, probably a little bit tougher. Yeah, and they've played an easier schedule up to this point. Mentioned before, they did beat their opponents uh, you know, a little pretty soundly uh, they're, as they're opposed good. to the Seahawks, and that's the thing I think. So, what are you guys worried about, and what would be your biggest concern? I, for me, I, I did a thing on sacks this week, and you know, pressures, hurries, all that stuff. But sacks are are huge; they're drive killers. And you know, I went through and looked at all the 15 sacks, what they resulted in, resulted in four punts, four fumbles. Three made field goals, no touchdowns, two missed field goals, and an end of game. And actually, Cincinnati survived two sacks on a drive, which is why this number is off by one. And we're still able to get a field goal. But you're looking at nine points there. And this is, they're kind of like turnovers in that you're getting extra possessions. To me, that's where it needs to happen. I don't know how you fix it. They've blitzed. They've done everything. 
but uh, to me, that's that's a big deal. But it also goes hand in hand with pass coverage too, right, Paul? Well, David, you and I are thinking on the same wavelength. I mean, that's what we grew up as. You know, sacks are you know pass rush and pass coverage. And uh, you know, when I was watching last week's game, I go, "There's time we don't give our our D line enough. We, we don't give them enough time to get the sack. We're playing." eight, nine yards off, we're, we're backpedaling, they're running these eight, ten-yard curl routes in front of us or turn routes. Um, it, it's just pitch and catch along the way. We're not contesting the short stuff along the way there. And, you know, you watch San Francisco. You know, 2013, we were a bit this way in that you could rush four guys, you can play tight zone defense, contest, because you know the football's coming out quickly. Now we rush four it's not, you know, it doesn't come out that fast. And so it's just tough. I mean, right now it's a little bit of both. It's, I don't think we're that far off. But at the same time, I go, there was a, um, I, I think I text both of you. We ran a, a, a blitz. We sent six guys. Uh, we brought Bobby Wagner came up I'm on the guard. We, have, we brought Kendricks around on the other side. He was on the, the other side guard. And he came around the, the other side of the football to the, on the center side. Bobby did an inside swim move. It was a fantastic swim move. And he, he would have won that battle on his own. And if we were playing zone behind it, we'd probably get a sack because he wouldn't have been able to throw it. In this case, Kendricks comes around into that same exact gap. And they kind of bump into each other. Mm. I, I watched the bull rush from Clowney. I was like, God, he didn't give him any space. Uh, Reed, he's got to win that battle against the center. He's got to get upfield so that the center can't come off the stunt. And in that case, he, he, he just got pushed sideways into the guard. He was able to come off and, and pick up Kendricks. So there's, there's fundamental things there. You can't just X and O things. Yeah. you got to execute it properly. And I just feel like sometimes we're just missing that piece. Yeah, the thing that kind of keeps me optimistic is because I look at this defense play and I see where improvements can be made. And this is a guy who's not with these guys Monday through Saturday, putting in all the time that they put in. So I'd like to think that this defensive staff is looking at the same film and feeling some of the same things. Like, hey, maybe we should tweak this. Maybe we should tweak that. And maybe they're saving something for these guys. Maybe they felt <laughs> that they can be as vanilla as possible <laughs> through week one through seven, eight, and meet these guys here and be like, okay, now let's throw the kitchen sink in there. Bump, this isn't high school football where you're saving <laughs> stuff for the playoffs this week. Hey, yeah, it's Paul, hey, I guarantee you, you see something on Monday that you haven't seen all your own film. No, Guaranteed. I'm sure, I'm sure of that. No, well, don't no. you you're hope that he's right, though, right? Oh, I'm hoping Yeah, they're going to explode with these beautiful executed blitzes, all kinds of takeaways, sacks, and whatnot. Because I feel like we got the players. I really do. And yeah, I feel the scheme's too. right. It's just we got to just bring it in yeah. a little bit tighter. Well, I'll tell you what. Coming up next, we'll ask Jennifer Lee Chan if she thinks they have the right personnel. She's with NBC Sports Bay Area and – as I mentioned, we talked to a few people down there, and they're just as afraid of the Seahawks as the Seahawks are of the 49ers. We'll do that next on Hawks Live. Hawks Live, every Thursday from 7 to 9, live at Snoqualmie Casino on 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome back to Hawks Live. Dave Wyman, Michael Bumpus, and Paul Moyer. And on the phone, we have Jennifer Lee Chan from NBC Sports Bay Area. Jennifer, thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely. Glad for glad to be on. All right. So are you and everybody down there as afraid of the Seahawks as the Seahawks fans and everyone up here is afraid of the 49ers because, man, they look really good at 8-0? Oh. 
<laughs> I think with this, these two teams, the feeling is always mutual. I think no matter what the records are, these two teams come together and play each other hard. You really never know who's going to be on top at the end of it. Jennifer, it's pretty amazing what they have done down there because, you know, a little while ago they hire, they take kind of a maybe a flyer on, on Kyle Shanahan. I mean, I, I think he, he was a good offensive coordinator, clearly. And then you hire a guy out of the TV booth. And John Lynch, I mean, great NFL guy, but these guys, I mean, it's got to be a really proud moment for those guys and ownership, taking a chance, a little bit of a chance on guys with not a whole lot of experience, but man, it sure seems to be paying off for those two. You know, that's true. Uh, You know, it wasn't without a little heartache the first years. They were very tough. Everybody wondered if they actually were going to make it through their full six-year contract. And now, you know, all of a sudden they look like they could be a huge success and that the 49ers organization made the right decision in hiring both of them. Hey, Jennifer, going into actually a few weeks into the season, my opinion was that the 49ers were missing a number one receiver. Do you guys feel like Emmanuel Sanders is the piece that will put you over the top? I think he's definitely a big part of it. I think he's even exceeded expectations that they had for him before he arrived. Uh, They got him involved very quickly, which is, you know, it's always interesting to see what's going to happen because now with the Seahawks picking up Josh Gordon, Pete Carroll says that they're not sure whether he's going to play, but the plan for Emmanuel Sanders was immediately to get him in action, and he obviously did. He had a huge game. I mean, he played a ton of snaps the first game, but he even had a bigger game facing Arizona last Thursday. So, He's been a huge, huge part of the offense and has done a great job since he's been uh, in town. You know, Jennifer, the one thing that's interesting, there's been some turnarounds in in the NFL. I mean, at least from a win-loss standpoint. You know, to to watch them go from 1-7 to 8-0, that's not unprecedented. But to see what they've done defensively, I I was pulling up some statistics from last year. They they averaged .01 or uh, turnovers per game. Their, their sacks, almost everything is either double in the positive or in half in yards and all that stuff. I, I've never seen this big a turnaround. And I know they got D Ford and they got Bosa as, as well. But, but what is it that other people aren't seeing that's the biggest reason for this turnaround on defense? I mean, I got to say, part of it, a huge part of it is, you know, former Seahawks Richard Sherman being healthy. Granted, they didn't throw a lot to him last year, but him being healthy on one side, the Emmanuel Mosley stepping in for Akella Witherspoon, the secondary has been really good. The pass rush and the coverage obviously is very connected. So with the quarterback having less time to throw, they have had to cover less, and it's really just made the defense more sound. Obviously, losing Quan Alexander for the season is a huge loss for them, but you know, I think Fred Warner is very smart. He's progressed even more in his second year. He was a great rookie. Uh, but we'll, it'll be a challenge for Jerry Ginlaw to step in and, and have that position. Hey, Jennifer, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, how is he viewed down there? Because I'm looking at his number, 71%. Anytime you're over 70% completion percentage, it's, it's good. Um, but he's thrown seven interceptions, 13 touchdowns. Is he viewed as kind of a game manager for your really good running game? Or do... Do you feel like he's a guy that can actually go out and by himself win a game for you? I think kind of the, 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 the conception was before last week's game in Arizona is that he was kind of a game manager. And, of course, you know, you never want to say that to your quarterback or about him. But, you know, people 
were kind of mentioning that. And then he goes out and has a huge game against Arizona because Arizona kind of shut down the run game. So, it, you know, with that last game, I think there's people that are going to be less likely to say that about him because it looks like he does have the ability to be the guy that the team can rely on when he's behind center. Hey, Jim, when I watch this defense play, I see them flying around, having fun, talking smack. Is that part of the Richard Sherman effect? You know, a part of it is is him, but really this locker room has, is very unique, and I actually just wrote a story about how between the last three seasons, the locker room really isn't much different. I mean, the biggest question I've had is, how, what is it like going into an undefeated locker room? But it really the the attitude and mood, obviously they're of course happier winning, but it was never really miserable when they were 0 and 9 or when they were 2 and 7. It was, you know, still a group of guys that really enjoyed being around each other. And it's really, yes, Richard Sherman and some of the, you know, the veteran leaders have, have done that, but it's the roster that John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan have put together, getting the guys that really enjoy the game of football and they really enjoy each other. They don't, you know, necessarily have to have the same beliefs or likes, but they all really enjoy being together. They're very, very close guys that have been in other locker rooms that have come in here. I mean, Emmanuel Sanders said it very clearly that, he was really surprised how close everyone was and how much fun he was having just in the tunnel and running out onto the field. You know, the, the leader, I guess, of this, at least on the sidelines, is their defensive coordinator, Robert Sala. Is, that, is it Robert Sala? A, 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 a kind yes, of a newcomer, right. but my goodness, does he have energy. Tell us about him and how the perception of, of him as the coach there. It's been quite a journey for him, him being on the hot seat the last two years, and now he's being spoken about as the next head coaching candidate. He has finally, I think, got the pieces together. The guys are playing much more sound football, and he's he's a really fun guy to watch. I'm sure you heard the quote that he actually blacks out during those huge plays for the defense <laughs> when they had that goal line stand. He doesn't really remember a whole lot, which is kind of funny, um, but he is just you know pure, unadulterated enthusiasm for the game, which is always great to have on your coaching staff. Yeah, and he was a guy that was up here for a while. Yeah. Yeah. No, and, he's uh, he's got some energy. I love yeah. watching him on the sideline. Well, Jennifer, we really appreciate yeah. your time, and uh, we look forward to seeing you. Hopefully we'll see you down there in San Fr- – oh, not San Francisco. I'm thinking of uh, Old Candlestick. We'll be down in Santa Clara <laughs> on Monday night. Yeah. Thanks I for will be joining there. us. I will be there. Looking forward to meeting you. Thank you so much. Thank you. There she goes, Jennifer Lee Chan from NBC Sports Bay Area. Coming up next, we'll talk to – Maybe the smartest guy on the team. I think he thinks so. But Russell Wilson, probably the smartest guy on the team. But Do you think a he very thinks close he second is or people think he would is? Be, I think he is. Okay, okay, there you go. There. It's not him. It's me. He's okay. one or two. Center Joey Hunt. He knows pretty much everybody's position. We'll talk to him next on Hawks Live. Hawks Live. Every Thursday from 7 to 9, live at Snoqualmie Casino on 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome back to Hawks Live. We're here at the Snoqualmie Casino. Paul Moyer, Dave Wyman, and Michael Bumpus. And on the phone, we have the smartest football player on the team, Joey Hunt. I've dubbed you the smartest football player on the team, Joey. Wow, man. That's much appreciated. That's, that's a way <laughs> you to give start me that off. last time. Yeah, I know. And that's how you suck up to the guest, you know, so he's nice to us and give us all, all the answers we want. But, hey, Joe, you had a great game, man. I Really, the only time I saw Indomitian Sue's name called was when he got a holding penalty. He was cheating, 
cheating his ass off. He tried to pull uh, Joey away from, from a block, but uh, how did you feel like your, your game went? Uh, I feel like it was a good game. You know, it was a good uh, first start of the year, and um, it was a good team win. We were able to uh, play together as an offensive line well, and uh, overall I thought it was a really good game. Hey, Joey, um, in my years of playing football and watching football, the offensive line is the closest group on a football team. Please tell me that is the truth with this team. Yeah, exactly. Um, we're definitely a tight-knit group. Uh, luckily, we, have a, we got a really good room this year. I mean, everybody in the room from, from Dwayne all the way down to Phil, you know, the youngest guy in the room, uh, it's a real tight-knit group. Um, everybody comes in ready to work. <coughs> with great attitudes, and uh, everybody comes together, honestly, and we're, I feel like we're really there for each other and communicate with one another, like even guys who aren't dressed on Sundays, being there, asking if we need anything, and then just communicating within the guys in the room and be able to work with each other. I feel like it kind of translates into the uh, on the field, and uh, it's something we'd be able to do, and it helps communicating, which is awesome. Joey, it's crazy. It's your fourth year. I, it, it, it seems like yesterday when you were drafted out of TCU and you know, when, when Justin went down, do they change anything? I, I know you're, you are smart. They talk about it. Pete talks about it. Uh, I listened to Dwayne Brown today uh, when they were on with Dave Wyman and, and those guys, and they, they talked about how smart you are. But do you guys do anything and, and take advantage of some of your skill sets too? Um, no, I wouldn't say so, honestly. I feel like we, we know what we want to do on offense. And uh, Britt's, Britt's a real smart football player too, though, so I mean – he definitely knows what's going on out there as well. So I feel like it's nothing, anything that we we do any differently as far as that. So I feel like we try to go out there and run our offense and, and do what we do as a team. Yeah, is there an honest. advantage to uh, – because Justin's, what, 6'5", six, 6'6"? Six, six. You're, you're about you, – they list you at 6'2". Is there an advantage to a, a center? Well, what you do know, you mean, big, I guess? What's that? Did I say I guess? I guess. Did I say I guess? No, no, I said they listed you at 6'2". No, I wasn't oh, saying I, I guess. I guess they list you no, at 6'2". No, no, no. Look, I, trust me, man. They, they, I used to argue about my height, too. Man. They never gave me They always short two. you, man. The I was NFL thinking you're probably you. closer to 6'3", Joey. How's that? But is there, is there an advantage at center and maybe not being that 6'6 six six range? How's that? Uh, I mean, I don't know if that's center, but I feel like anywhere in all of its line, I mean, yeah, I, I naturally have better leverage than all those guys yeah. every time. Just so if I stand straight up, you know, we both stand straight up, I'm going to be six inches, five inches shorter than those, uh, below them. So I feel like, yeah, there's natural leverage in there. But at the end of the day, if I stand up high, I get my hips high, I'm going to end up on my butt just in not <laughs> yeah. a good position. So you got to still have good palate. But, yeah, you, you, there's some natural leverage there. You know, Joey's going to be the largest man in the history of the world who has a small man's complex. Because everybody, and I keep going, he's not small, man. He's 6'2", no. 300, 300 pounds. 300 pounds. So, yeah, and, and actually, we, yeah, we talked to Dwayne today. He did have, he talked about your, your built-in leverage. But really, and then the other thing about uh, blocking, I always say, is if you're just a pest, right? I mean, if you just get in the way, and, yeah. you know, move your feet and you have good hands and good feet, I mean, that's really, you don't have to necessarily pull a DJ Fluker on every single play. I mean, it's yeah. just more about yeah. getting between the At ball the carrier. The day, you got you to gotta stop your man from making the tackle. So I feel like that's a big part of offensive line play. So getting away of him and, and slowing him down to get there, it, it can get the job done. There's multiple ways to do it.
All right, we're talking to Joey Hunt here, center for the Seahawks. And how are you going to get in the way of that defensive line? The 49ers, what have you seen from them? Boy, they got, they got 30 sacks. That's a pretty good group. What are you seeing on film? Yeah, they're, they're a talented group. You see that um, right when you turn on the tape, and you see how deep they are as a group. And I feel like that's something that um, they take advantage of, and they all work together well. And they have depth throughout the entire game which I feel like is big for them. But they're, they're definitely talented. They can get up to the quarterback. They can stop the run, and uh, we're looking forward to the challenge. Well, I say that, that it is going to be a challenge. I mean, they, that, the one thing about their pass rush is, is pretty impressive. But watching them on film, they, you know, they play it high at times because they, they are pass rushers, and they do look a bit susceptible to the run game. Um, I imagine you guys you guys like to run the football anyway, so that's got to be a big part of the game plan going in this week. For sure. You know, we go in every week wanting to run the football, and uh, I feel like, yeah, we want to have a balanced attack. I feel like that's kind of what gets our offense going, and um, that's something we're going to want to do on week in and week out, I feel like. I mean, we went against one of the top run defenses last week, and we still went out there with emphasis trying to run the ball. So I feel like every week we're going to try to go out there on the football and um, – just see how the game flows. You never know really how it goes, um, honestly. So, but yeah, I feel like we want to go there, come up with a balance attack like we do every week. Joey, tell us what it's like in the huddle with uh, with Russell Wilson because I think early on in the early years, and we were all here. I know you were still back at TCU, Joey, but I mean, he came off as kind of a Boy Scout. He was always positive and everything. And I don't know if he, you, you know, the veterans were sort of skeptical. But man, I mean, he this team seems to reflect his attitude. Uh, just being around Russell, I, I kind of compare him to uh, Dave Craig, who we played with. He never thought he was going to lose. Yeah. He always thought he was yeah. in every single game. And then, you know, a lot of times that, that sort of positivity comes off as phony, and it, it, is, it is not with him. T- talk about him and, uh, and what he's like to be around, especially, you know, when you're making a fourth-quarter comeback drive. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, you hit the, you hit the nail on the, um, the hammer on the head with that one. Um. Yeah, he he comes out he, he every day. He comes out of practice every day with like that type of attitude. He comes to meetings every day. I mean, he he really believes. I mean, it's just a great opportunity. Honestly, I feel like he takes everything as an opportunity. And um, so like when we have the drive to go forty two seconds, he just like believe and he always believes. Honestly, I feel like he just takes advantage of every opportunity he gets. But uh, yeah, you hit perfect. He he never thinks that we're out. I mean. There's been some games, I mean, a few years back, where we, or a couple years back when we were down pretty bad, and he's still on the sideline. Everybody stay up, you know, like mm-hmm. believing. And it wasn't looking very good, but uh, and I feel like he genuinely <laughs> believes it. Like he was ready to go. He's like, two touch, touchdown, onside kick, touchdown, onside kick, touchdown, and we're, we're winning. <laughs> <laughs> you saying we have a chance. I'm like, well, yeah, who knows? Yeah. So, but, uh, and, I, and he really believes it. I mean, I feel like he does it. He does it every day. He does it. In the building, he does it up on the field. He does it at practice. I mean, you know, so I feel like it's it's something genuine, and you really just have to believe it because it, it it's all it is. Hey Joey, I am a high school head football coach, and my offensive linemen are always running to the sideline after a pancake block. Do you guys still get as hyped off of pancake blocks, or is it more just about alignment assignment type stuff? Oh nah, yeah, you get more hyped, even more hyped <laughs> in the NFL about pancake blocks. <laughs> It's way harder to get those, man, in the league yeah. just because uh, <laughs> yeah, it's way harder to get a grown man to end up on his back. So, yeah, we're always uh, getting hype about those. 
Going to change a, a little bit on you here. You're, you're a Texas kid, went to TCU. My kids just, matter of fact, two weeks ago, I've been crying like crazy. They just moved to Dallas. Um, so I'm, I'm oh, hoping they, right yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. But the you, you guys in the world. Well, you know what I do. My, I think uh, mom, mom and dad would be moving out there soon. As soon as my daughter has some children there, um, big game this week though. You guys got uh, the Longhorns. Is is because TCU wasn't in the Big Twelve for thirty years. Is that a rival game? I mean, is that a big deal this week? Uh, no, they they actually played UT like two uh, two weeks two weekends ago. Oh, I thought they were playing them this week. I don't know. See, yeah, and, and we there goes my too, great though, qu- the, Joey. Pretend we, like they're playing them know. this week. Yeah, no, nah, we you know we've won. Uh, I think six out of seven. Me- no, six out of eight meetings. So since we've been joining the Big Twelve, we've been doing pretty good in there. Yeah. You know, you know. I said Joey's really smart. I'm not. You're not, Paul. Sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm aging. Yeah. I don't know why. I saw. I saw. I just looked it up. I'm clearly my thing didn't get refreshed. All right. All I blame right. that on our producer. No, you're good. Let's, let's <laughs> let Joey go. Honestly, I just want to throw some shade at UT. But yeah, uh, there you go. Horns uh, down. Yeah. No. My, my little sister goes there. My little sister actually goes to UT though. So I don't, I don't have any bad blood towards against them or anything like yeah. that. Oh, they're both good. We players. talked to Austin. Brandon Jackson. He said uh, he said horns down. Horns down. He threw that one in there. Horns down. Horns well, yeah, you know he's a Red Raider man. That's they're right. different. Yeah. Hey, Joey, thanks for spending the West time Texas. with us. Good luck. Good luck on Monday night, and uh, keep playing like you're playing, man. We appreciate it. I appreciate y'all. Y'all have a good night. Good luck at the casino. thank you all right there he goes joey hunt well coming up next uh we'll take a trip around the nfl with the professor john clayton that's next on hawks live hawks live every thursday from seven to nine live at snoqualmie casino on 710 espn seattle welcome back to the snoqualmie casino it's hawks live dave wyman paul moyer and Michael Bumpus, and now we're joined by the professor, John Clayton. Professor, are you enjoying the game tonight? You know, it's an Raiders interesting Chargers. game. And because, again, it's like I, I've never seen Philip Rivers make this many mistakes. I mean, he's almost yeah. been uh, eligible for about four interceptions. And the Raiders, I mean, I think you can see the improvement in the team with the John Gruden play calling and what they're doing with the uh, running backs and all that stuff. But an interesting game. Yeah, I'm I'm rooting for John Gruden to turn things around, yeah. and you know you see what what happened with uh, in San Francisco. Uh, I mean, look, you you brought in Shanahan and and John Lynch, and didn't work right away. Last year they're four and twelve, and so yeah, for the Raiders, I mean, uh, their second year with Gruden, uh, I feel like uh, you know he can turn this thing around. And you know, is Derek Carr maybe the sneakiest? best quarterback in the league right now you don't hear a lot about him but man he's good but you can see with Gruden he's kind of like I don't know like for example you go week to week with how Gruden feels about him and I don't know long term how he feels about Carr because you know in the end it's like he's he's really tough on quarterbacks but you can see what he's done he's taken the position it's like okay I'm not going to let him throw real tough passes I'm going to try to get the running game going I'm going to set this thing up and um, you know, it's like it's, it's not. There's no guarantee that Carr is going to be the quarterback for him next year. I think he should because I think he's talented enough. But uh, you know, Gruden's tough on these quarterbacks, and I know he doesn't like to go for rookies. That's one thing that we've seen in the past. Uh, interesting dynamic. You know, John, I, I've never seen. We were talking earlier. We, we've seen a team go from one and seven to eight and zero before. You know. 
But I've never seen a team this dominant on defense who really struggled last year. Couldn't really, didn't sack, didn't get turnovers, struggled, you know, yardage-wise. Can you remember a team that's made this big a jump from one year to the next? No, I can't. Because I was talking to uh, John Lynch about this, interviewed him a couple of days ago, and it's like, <clears throat> I can't remember. Because now injuries put them in a position where they were the second worst team in the league last year. Okay, and, you know, they, they, I think, what was it, the number? Nine turnovers they created during the course of the season, and incredibly low. Now, they yeah. knew they needed to get edge pass rushers, and so they go for D. Ford, and they trade for him a second-round pick. They use the first-round pick, second pick in the back, draft on Nick Boza, and they have three other first-round picks on their defensive line. That shoots everything up. Then they sign Quam Alexander from Tampa Bay, who I, I've loved this player for so many years. He's just so good. And so he comes in and does a good job now until he gets his ACL injury. And it's like, wow, you improved the front seven enough that now you can take the position. You can go from the second worst team in the league to, I guess, technically the best team in the league. I've never seen a jump like this. They're the best I've seen on film. I mean, they're, they're well, at least defensively, they're, they're that good. Hey, John, I want to talk about Jason Myers. He struggled a little bit, obviously, the past couple of weeks, and people might be calling for his head. How difficult is it to find a solid kicker in the NFL today? Oh, Michael, I love you for saying that because, <laughs> I mean, I, I went through the eight, uh, eight kickers who have signed with different teams, and, again, these, this is the pool of players that are available. Okay, so those eight kickers have come in. They're 25 of 39. 25 of 39, roughly in the 60% range of making field goals. And a lot of them have missed extra points. And so there's no pool of guys that are going to be better than the guy that you're going to replace. I mean, look at, for example, the New England Patriots. Steven Goskowski gets an injury. He goes on injured reserve. So they bring in, you know, Mike uh, Nugent who ends up getting cut. Then they have to get Nick Folk, who is from the AAF. I mean, there's not, nothing available. And you also look out there and you say, okay, who also is available? Blair Walsh? Are you going to go with Blair Walsh or Cody mm-hmm. Parkey? And Cody Parkey, technically, of all the eight kickers that have come into the league because of injuries, bad kicking or whatever, Cody Parkey's three for three. Do you want to trust him? And he, and and, that, and when Ryan Suckup got back healthy off the injured reserve list, they let him go. There's nobody better on the street than Jason Myers. Yeah, I don't want to suck up on our team. No, no um, suck ups. You don't uh, want to doink doink no, Parky no. either. Yeah, right? they, they, Cody doink doink is not the one you want to go for. Let, let's talk uh, some injuries here, and uh, we'll, we'll start with San Francisco. Man, George Kittle is mm-hmm. a man. That is a phenomenal tight end. It looked like he hyperextended his leg last week and it didn't even slow him down. But I but I, I saw he didn't practice either maybe today. What, what's the latest on him? Got to be a concern. Now again, when you look at the Wednesday injury list and you look at the long list of both Seattle and San Francisco, you discount it because it's the Wednesday injury list. Some of it's a matter of just resting the players and all those different things. But you got to be concerned because, I mean, George Kittle is one of the best tight ends in the league and tight end is so important for Kyle Shanahan's offense. And so you know, if he's going to miss the game, that's huge. Now, again, the the one injury on defense that affects him is Quam Alexander because he's so good in coverage, one of the best coverage linebackers in the league. That creates a hole. If they're missing Alexander and Kettle from the Arizona game, that's that's a team that's going to be a lot weakened. So they have to have him back out there because tight ends are so important in the Kyle Shanahan offense. So that could be a huge injury if he can't play. 
Hey, John, I'm looking at the 49ers schedule and the Seahawks schedule. How important is this game for the Seahawks? Can they afford to take a loss and think that they can catch up to 49ers and win the division? Now, if they take the loss, they're probably going to be the wild card because, you know, now it's going to be too tough to catch them because there's such a big lead. And, you know, like in, this, in the case of the 49ers and the Seahawks, yeah, they have both have tough schedules. 49ers, believe it or not, tougher than the Seahawks in the closing schedule. Seahawks, are, I mean, the Seahawks are like 27 and 49ers are uh, 31st as far as the, the the wins as far as that as far as the closing schedule but in the end I mean you've got to win this game to close the gap I mean both teams are going to be in the playoffs I think because I mean if they lose this game Seattle can still get to 10 or 11 but if you're San Francisco this is the game that gets you a bye week if you can win this now you're going to win 12 and if you win 12, depending on the tiebreakers against Green Bay or whoever, you're going to be now a home team that's going to get a bye week, and that's huge. So both teams have so much on the line in this game. But, uh, you know, one, one thing is the more I think about this, this game against Seattle is like, okay, you favor the 49ers. They, got, you know, they can rush four, drop seven, and do different things. But, again, changes on the Quam Alexander thing, that's going to change some things in their coverage. But, you know, in the end, Seattle, I think, can have a – Pretty close game and do pretty well in this game. You know, Pete's really uh, tried to manage the expectations on on the Josh Gordon signing. Um, been working hard. He's, he's trying to learn the system. What, what do you think happens this week? I, I think maybe 20 plays, maybe two catches, something like that. Because he, he, like uh, Quandre Diggs, has to get into the system to see where they fit. But when you think about this, now I know that Josh Gordon is not the Pro Bowl player he was in 2014. You know, so many things have happened with off-the-field stuff and just his play and the fact now he's a little bit older, past the age of 30. He's not, you know, the 2013 player that got 1,636 yards. But he still can be good, and he still can be an option. And again, you're, you're looking at the, the third-best receiver on the team. You know, how does he look compared to Jaron Brown? How does he look compared to, uh, you know, David Moore? And if he can be an upgrade as far as that, that could be huge. And again, Russell Wilson, as good as he is, makes every wide receiver who works with him that much better. So I think this could be a good combination, and it's a good addition because now, even though he's on a one-year deal and all those different things, I think he can help. You know, Josh Gordon, Quandre Diggs, Ziggy Ansah, I don't really expect that that much from them any anything to me that you get from those guys is a bonus but I expect something from Ed Dixon and you know there was a chance that he was going to be um, good to go last week they didn't end up activating him but he is a really good tight end and I think you know it'll uh, you know Pete said something today though like if he makes it there or if he makes it up and I, I felt like it was a going to be kind of a game time decision on do they need a tight end do they need to activate you know a a guard or an offensive lineman, but I don't know how you guys all feel. You too, John. Um, I, I feel like Ed Dixon, he's, I, I think he, you can expect really good things from him this year. I agree because, again, he's good enough to be the starter because he's a good blocker, he's a good pass catcher, and he's just a good player. And I think the only thing that's not, like in the back of Pete Carroll's mind and John Snyder's eye is that you're letting a good player go to get him on the roster. And yeah. so it's like, okay, are you ready yeah. to do that? Because you know, here they let uh, Gary Jennings go, and they like Gary Jennings a lot. And you notice he got claimed by a couple teams. Giants claimed him. 
New Miami Dolphins claimed him. Good player. And so are you willing to do that? And I think in this case, they probably would. Because, again, you don't know how. I mean, Luke Wilson was limited in practice today with a rib injury. And so it looks like he could be available. Can you get by with Wilson and Jacob Hollister? And certainly they did last week because Hollister played so well. Two touchdown passes, big interference in the end zone. I mean, he did so well. But, again, Dixon is such a good player. In the fact, if he's healthy, I think they'll activate him. Yeah. All right, Professor. Well, thank you very much. I will talk to you tomorrow, and uh, we will. You guys will probably talk to him on uh, on Monday in the pregame show. Yes, we will, and the All postgame right. show. Thank you, Professor. Thank you. All, All right, John. there he goes, John Clayton. Coming up next, we're going to dive into the Seahawk defense. We got uh, two head coaches that were. Wait, were you a head coach? No, Paul, you were an assistant coach. Felt like a head coach, though. Yeah, got paid With like Bellevue. an assistant. Yeah, and then, you, yeah. of course, assistant coach for the Seattle Seahawks, Michael Bumpus, head coach. At, don't be complaining about your pay. We got, Bumpus, Bumpus he the head gets coach paid at Monroe. about the same I did when I was an assistant with the Seahawks. Shucks. Okay. Oh, yeah. Monroe oh, yeah. High School head coach, Michael Bumpus, and I try to be a coach. We're going to see if we can fix the problems that they're having on the defense. That's next on Hawks Live. Hawks, Hawks Live. Every Thursday from 7 to 9, live at Snoqualmie Casino. Now, here's your host, Dave Wyman. Welcome back to the Snoqualmie Casino. We're live up here every Thursday night. We'll be doing Hawks Live up here at the Snoqualmie Casino during the football season. Almost every Thursday. Thanksgiving. Almost every Thursday. We've got Thanksgiving. That is correct, Paul. Uh, you don't know who TCU plays, but you knew that we probably wouldn't have a show. <laughs> you know, that that was that was not one of my most nice. embarrassing moments. Matter the first nice. mistake I've made in... 36 oh, years my gosh. of All football the years coaching I've been on, playing. That's the first time you've ever flown. Yeah, thank ever. you. Thank yeah. you. All right, well, how about if you're that smart, Paul? Yeah, bring you it fix on. this defense, and it's not Easy. like, look, you know, I keep going during the the the, uh, the week on my radio show. I'm like, I have to stop Go. We're 7-2. Mm-hmm. You know, we're 7-2. And, and you got, to me, I don't see personnel problems. Uh, I mean, we'll see. I think maybe the jury's out on... You know, I don't think they have a bunch of – they're not loaded with pass rushers like the 49ers, but I think they're good up front. I think their linebackers are great. I think they have a couple of players in their defensive backfield that can be great. But I think that maybe the jury's out on them. But really the jury's out on the whole defense because of the number of yards they give up. What would, uh, what would be your guys' fix? What, what is the – when you look at it, what's the, the biggest priority, I guess I should ask? Um, well, I guess it depends on do you want more sacks? Do you want uh, to get to third down quicker? Things like that. If you said, okay, but you only get you only got a couple things. I, I would fix the the pass defense, and I would give our our defensive line more of an opportunity to get to the quarterback. There's a lot of quick passes, and if you allow those quick passes, there's nothing your defensive line can do. So we got to contest more on first and second down. That's not really our philosophy. Um, and partly is I don't so know. So you see him running more zone on first and second down, not a lot of man. Uh, uh, yeah, and not just that. I see, see us playing off. You know, so we, we do a lot of bail technique, and, and so our corners open to the inside. Um, and so you can stem them very easily and create slants and seam routes. Mm-hmm. And we don't give a lot of underneath help to them. Um, you know, the old days we would, we would crowd the inside guys, and we'd say, okay, corners, you, you're on your own. You've got to make some plays. Well, that technique right now, and with the ball not coming out really quick, you know, the plays can, can develop a little bit. I'd like to see us play a little bit more contested cover, too. I'd like to play every once in a while some two-man. 
you know, you got to pick your spots because you play two man and you got a running quarterback, which they haven't wanted to do. You know, obviously with Lamar Jackson. And so stuff. two man is you've got everybody manned up underneath, yeah. and two safeties over the top yeah. to help the two. Yeah, I've always when I was playing, uh, when I was coaching high school football, I loved two man yeah. because you're taking a little bit of a chance manning up. I mean, you're it's one on one, but you got safety help. You know, and cover one is the classic man-to-man. You only got one safety back. Two man, you got two safeties back. So, yeah, I, I, I kind of like that defense. It's, I'm not it's, saying it's, the it's scary because it, it, it's hard to stop the run. If you got a running quarterback and he breaks the, quarter, or the, the, the pocket, you got your whole defense with their back to the football. And, and you know, Lamar Jackson and, and guys who can run, that, Russell. That, that's, a, that's a challenge. Russell did that against Cleveland. Dave, but if you said if there's one defense, I just don't see that much anymore. It's, it's our old cover 11. And where I would bring the backside safety down away from the two or three wide receiver set. That way I'm helping with the slant route on the weak side. And I'm helping with the crossing routes along the way. So you got a guy who's kind of playing in a zone. Everybody else is playing tight man-to-man. You still got free safety help along the way. Um, I used to like it where I ran a double um, both safeties would come down, particularly in the red zone, and you've got them zoned up between in between the numbers and the hash, mm-hmm. and so it it buys time for your coverage and it buys time for your defensive line to get to the quarterback. Um, we play very vanilla. It's very vanilla. Now, look, we're seven and two, so it's hard to say. It's I get the bend and the frustration, and we're giving up yards, but we're seven and two, and right. I think we are going to make some change. I think we're playing some teams now. I don't know if Pete's holding anything back, but I, I, they're going to make adjustments. And I think the bye week coming up, you'll see a few more adjustments to the, to the scheme. Yeah, if I were to do anything, I would confuse the quarterback in the pre-snap. Right now, yeah. as a quarterback, you look at the defense, what you see is what you're going to yep. get. There's nothing going on that's going to make him drop back and change his perception of the coverage. You can play your bell. Play your bell, start deep, then press, then bell. You can, you can press them for a minute, then get out of there. You, know, you can still get the guys to the spot you want to get them to, but make the quarterback work pre-snap. And that's, that's all I want to see. I get their philosophy. I get they want to keep everything in front, but you're making life too easy on a quarterback. With the defense we're playing right now, I can look at the left side and say, all right, I got this hitch whenever I want it. All right, I got this slant whenever I want it. I want them to, to walk them up, press them. Look, the quarterback looks at the defense pre-snap. Ah, I don't know if I want that. He gets into his drop back. Ah, I think I want that, but maybe I'm a little late now because I'm second-guessing myself. Mm-hmm. Just make the QB work mentally pre-snap, and I think they'll be okay. Well, I'm going to ask you, Bump. The other thing, we, we do play a lot of base defense, and even when we do match up with five defensive backs, we're getting a lot of uh, pre-snap motions, and they're looking to see – it's all of a sudden McDougal out wide on a tight end or a running back. In that case, it's man, right? If he's inside, we know it's owned. Or we'll see Michael Kendricks will line up outside on a, a running back. Oh, we got man. Oh, no, now he's inside. So we're get, they are looking to see immediately what are the Seahawks running. And I was that, so you're, you're picking that up then, obviously. Yeah, and, 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 and with that, what I would do is, okay, if McDougal's on man on one side, the guy motions over, leave him there. Bump that guy over. So now that's the other safety's responsibility. That's the nickel's responsibility. So you got to disguise some things. And I'm telling you, that's why I, I hope I'm right. That's why I think this week we'll see some things that we haven't seen on film yet. Yeah, for me, I mean, I, you always look at the position that you played, and I look at the linebackers who are really good. And I don't think it's a problem leaving base defense in. But the way they play their zone, 
it can't be that you're a spot dropper. It can't be that you drop back and you cover an area of grass. You have to crowd receivers, and you need to kind of predict where they're going. Pattern progress, we used to call it, you know. And so there was a couple of examples where the very first play of the game, you know, um, linebacker is supposed to, first of all, he bit way too hard on play action. And then if you do buy it on play action, you have to turn your butt and run back there and get in your zone because you got to be 12, 15 yards deep. And then you got to look up receivers. You can't just turn around and look at the quarterback. So that happened a number of times, and I think there, we've seen that. There's lots of catches in between the linebackers and the next level in, in that sort of 12 to 15-yard you know, they've got to do a better job, I think, uh, there. But, I mean, they'll get it done. These are good linebackers. Yeah. I don't think the answer is just necessarily uh, let's play more nickel. I just think the way they're playing it, they just need to be a little bit you, – you, who said contested? Was that you? Yeah, you got to contest yeah, them. you got to challenge be, them on first and right. second down. And it doesn't have to be like a I'm up on the guy's face man-to-man and I'm going to run with him everywhere. But, it, you know, on some of these routes – you know, even if it's a zone, kind of play like a matchup zone. Where I think it's, it's, it's confidence because at some point, zone becomes man, right? Mm-hmm. If I have deep third and this guy's running a streak, this is now my guy as guy. a corner. Yeah. You know, if, if I'm covering the flat as an LB, this running back is running to a flat, this is now my guy. So it, I think it comes down to trust and just knowing that if I do what I'm supposed to do, the guys behind me and in front of me are going to do what they're supposed to now do. Now you go watch San Francisco, Dave, because they will spot drop. And you can spot drop, and you can you can have a six or eight yard drop, and play the the shallow crossing routes and and the checkdowns, because that ball's coming out so fast with four guys rushing. Mm-hmm. We're we're trying that, but the ball's not coming out. So now what happens? We saw it last week. Mike Evans, he's working fifteen yards behind the linebackers. Well, they're sitting at six to eight yards, kind of what the defense is telling them to do. Well, I can't run that defense anymore if I can't if that ball doesn't come out quickly. So that's the thing where I think they have to make the adjustment and say, okay, I get it. The ball's not coming, so we've got to make a little adjustment. So we're going to have to drop deeper. Or in this case, we're going to play tighter, but we're going to play with cover two where I've got you know, two guys over the top helping along the way. So those are the subtle things, I think. And I think they'll do it. They're smart coaches. These guys are not dumb. Yeah, they did not suddenly get dumb. They're not listening to us right now and saying, "Oh, that's, that's a good I never idea." Thought of that. No, we I always do say that. that. You know, I hate to do that because the, you know. But when you hear people say, "Well, they should do this," I'm like, "Yeah, I think they already thought of that." <laughs> They're yeah. working it yeah. twenty hours a day. You're watching film right now. Hey, yes. but this is part of being a fan, right? You know, you get to be a coach. You, uh, yes, you, you know, like you get to complain about your team, even when they're seven and two yeah sometimes which is ridiculous yeah, yeah. but it's horrible record. spoiled all right spoiled up here. coming up next year sorry folks you're going to get more coaching we're going to go <laughs> inside the film room we'll look at the three of the biggest plays from the seahawks win over the buccaneers that's next here on hawks live hawks live every thursday from seven to nine live at snoqualmie casino on 710 espn seattle i want to give a shout out to dj who had to come in uh and run the board because uh, Brian Schoening's car broke down. Poor Brian. Car broke down. DJ's been uh, working the board for a number of hours now. Welcome back to Hawks Live. Paul Moyer, Michael Bumpus. And what we're going to do now is go through inside the film room, go through some of the biggest plays that the Seahawks made. And we've been talking lots about defense and sacks. And I didn't get to this, but I'll, I'll go through it real quick. The sacks, the 15 sacks the Seahawks have had this year, has re- resulted in four punts. Four fumbles, 
three field goals, two missed field goals, and one end of the game. That was Ziggy Ansah at the very end. So sacks are important. And on this play, third and five at the Seattle 40, uh, they came up with one. Michael Kendricks came up big. The fullback is in the block, a trip set to the right side. Here comes the blitz. Winston, ball is tipped up in the air. It's picked up, coming the other way for Chief Green. Hang on to the football, young man. He goes down at the 15. Mike Evans chases him down. The Seahawks force the fumble. Winston coughs it up. Rasheem Green picks it up, takes it all the way to the Tampa Bay 15. The Seahawks are in business again. I love this rush by Michael Kendricks. I mean, he's very low to the ground, but he just gets an inside hand right in the chest of that that offensive tackle. And I think the reason why he was able to move him so, well, it made it look easy, but uh, he got him light on his feet because he thought that he was going to edge rush him and then all of a sudden just bull rushed him right back into Jameis Winston. Ball comes out and then Rasheem Green takes off. Yeah, what I like about this play is, is Clowney. Clowney's yeah. lined up on the second level. So they're, they're playing a, a, a vision game with him. You see Clowney on the, on, on the second level. You know that he's going after the football. Bobby is lined up on the left side. He's rushing. Then Kendricks, is, he's outside of the box. And once you get outside of the box, those linemen stop counting for you. They're like, okay, he's no, no longer my responsibility. That's the quarterback's responsibility. So I see a stunt. And I see a, a look that this offense probably wasn't ready to defend. They, they run the same blitz uh, the way I was talking about earlier, but with different people in different positions. So Clowney is in the position that Kendricks was earlier, and, and, Clown, er, and Kendricks is where uh, Clowney was in another one. But it's the same type of blitz. And it, here's the weird thing, though. Again, the two guys end up in the same gap. And I'm like, what, what are they trying to accomplish? And um, But it, 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 Kendricks, my goodness, I mean, he bull rushes a, their left tackle. I mean, he's quick and he's strong for a, a little guy. I was going to say one thing, because it was a huge play, big turnover in that game. And Dave, from point A to point B, what's the quickest way to get there? Straight line. Straight ball. line. And what we got, happened? Well, he gets the ball about three yards inside the numbers, and he starts working his way to the, Paul, the corner. He's a D-line. I know. And then Mike Evans is coming down. So remember, wide receivers are on the outside. Let them come get you in the middle. Yeah. Linemen aren't going to find you. You probably remember this, Paul. Um, I didn't have my hands on the ball very many times in the NFL. Yeah. Worst runbacks ever. The, the one I, ha- I picked off Dan Marino down in Miami. Yeah. And it was just awful. I don't know what I was thinking, about what I was doing. Yeah, the football got, and all of a sudden, I was just like panicked. Yeah. Sounds familiar. Terrible. And I was a tight end in high school. <laughs> I said, you bet you were a great tight end, too. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Don't know what to tell you, Dave. All right. Coming up next, uh, the next play here, we got DK Metcalf, who is just so not a rookie, but he's good for a 53-yard touchdown. The play fake by Russell, who stops, looks, throws backside. Metcalf catches it down the sideline, 15, 10, 5. He's in. Touchdown, Seahawks. And if Tampa Bay can do it, the Seahawks can do it one better. From 53, Russell with a beautiful rainbow shot to Metcalf, who ran away from the defense. Jamel Dean was chasing. He was not going to catch the rookie. And the Seahawks back out on top, 33-27. Michael, you'll probably be able to describe this better than anybody, but I just I loved how hard 
DK Metcalf leaned on Dean. He leaned on him hard and then all of a sudden just took off away from him like a 45-degree angle headed to, uh, to the corner, kind of a corner route there. But that was uh, a great way of getting separation with that big body of his. Yeah, to go off of your point, um, space is bad in route running. When I break at the top of my route or whatever I'm doing, I want you as close to me as possible yeah. so you can feel what I'm doing and not see what I'm doing. If, if that guy's three yards off of DK and he sees him make that jab step, okay, I see it, I can react to it. So now if, if he's half yard off of me and he feels me make that jab step, he has to react to what I'm doing. And that's a veteran move right there. He got on his toes and smacked him. But the thing that impresses me the most about this play design is that there's a receiver outside of Tyler Lockett, I believe is David Moore. He comes down like he's going to block or get like a jet sweep or whatnot. That makes the safety react and go downhill. We all know that Tyler Lockett loves to run crossing routes. What do you do with crossing routes? You man them up and you send another guy to collision them. And it all works together. So uh, Demo goes in the backfield, grabs a defender. And then Tyler Lockett runs his cross, grabs two defenders. And now you got a one-on-one with DK and number 35. I don't know his name. God bless him because he, 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 he had a tough Jamal day. man. He had a Ooh. tough day. Rookie on rookie. And now and – now, <laughs> DK is allowed to highlight his skill and his knowledge of the game to where he's patient. I know I got this 1-1 match. I'm going to get on his toes. I'm going to jab and make him feel me and create one or two yards of separation. Now you just get the young man the ball and let him gallop down the, the field. Four two eight four three speed. Dave, this is how we, we're going to have to get San Francisco. Um, we're going to have to run the ball hard, and then we're going to have to play action just like this. This was impressive by Russell Wilson because he's got – a linebacker who sees it late barreling down on him. And he was so calm and cool. He let the play develop, even though he knew there he had to throw the ball at some point or he's going to get hit. But we kept eight guys in blocking. We brought, as you mentioned, a wide receiver into blocking in. We kept Carson on the fake, and he chipped it in. So we had a, a wide receiver and a running back on both of their ends, kept all the linemen in, you know, two-man route. And, you know, you've got touchdown. And that, that play, those type of plays, how we're going to beat San Francisco. Well, and I'll tell you what, Russell did a good job, as NASA Chovey pointed out, of looking off the receiver. And he, he also did a pretty good job in the next play, in overtime, second goal. It's the game winner, Jacob Hollister, with a 10-yard pass from Russell Wilson. Russell looks one way, throws the other. Russ takes the shotgun snap, looks, throws inside. Ball is caught into the end zone. Seahawks win. Touchdown. Seahawks, Jacob Hollister, his second score, and the Seahawks win in dramatic fashion in overtime here at CenturyLink Field. What a game. The Seahawks never quit, and Russell Wilson has his 31st win in fourth down, fourth quarter or overtime as all the players head to the far side to congratulate Jacob Hollister on the game-winning reception. <laughs> I guess Russ didn't exactly look him off, but he did a good job of, like, looking one no, way. I, and kinda, I, I, I wrote that too. His, his arm slot was, was very, you know, much to the right, where his head was going a little bit to the left. But uh, Hollister not only did he had a couple of catches, two touchdowns, and then he also drew a pass interference penalty, which he told us on Monday all about. You know, he saw that it was a, a linebacker, and linebacker could run. It was the guy that ran down Chris Carson, Devin 
White, I think was yep, his name. Yep. But, um, yeah, he, he knew that the guy was going to panic a little bit, so he choked it down a little bit when the ball was in the air, was able to draw that. So really happy for this kid. You know, he's got a twin brother, and he's actually on the practice squad at Tennessee wow. for the Titans and uh, just a football guy through and through. And Same position? I'm sorry. No, he's a wide receiver, actually. Okay. Yeah, his his brother's a wide receiver. He's a tight end, and really, he's on the smaller end, certainly, of tight ends, but he he runs great routes. You know what's crazy about that play? I mean, you watch it from the sideline, you go, eh, it's just a play. I mean, they really, for Russell to find the one guy that was open, maybe the wide receiver up top to the right, there was some space there, but no, nothing else. And I'm watching a throw on the sideline, they go, no, no big deal. And then you watch it from the end zone. And you watch how much he led him. I mean, he throws it early to give him enough time still to lead him to, to create that separation from the safety. And all of a sudden I go, man, that's an unbelievable throw for something that looks so simple from the sideline. Russell is off the charts in his decision-making and accuracy right now. This play right here <clears throat> this lets me know how much the game is slowed down for Russell. Obviously, yeah. it slows down every year, but you look at this play – it lets me know that he knows exactly what he's looking at. He knows that Mike Linebacker is a spy. He, know we, he knows he has man here. He knows if I look this way, that safety is going to go there. This running back is going to take care of the outside linebacker. Hollister should be open. And there's just so much composure in his, his thought process, and he breaks down the defense so fast. Um, it's amazing. And it's impressive. This is one of the uh, most beautiful design plays I've seen. It's really simple, but unless you have a quarterback who understands what he's seeing, he can make it really difficult. Russell makes it really he, simple. He could have seen it too late or too early and, and read someone else. And I, I, you're right. I mean, from the sideline, you go, it's not a big deal. From the end zone, you go, well, that's actually more complex than you think it is. And he made it look so simple. Russ having such a good year. He just gets better and better every year. Well, coming up next, uh, our own Paul Gallant. He's going to interview K.J. Wright, and I think they're going to play a soccer video game. FIFA. FIFA. That's what K.J. likes. That's next on Hawks Live. Hawks Live. Every Thursday from 7 to 9, live at Snoqualmie Casino on 710 ESPN Seattle. What's going on, everybody? It is Hawk Live Gaming. That is Seahawks linebacker KJ Wright. What is up? What is up? I am Paul Gallant. We're about to play a little FIFA 20. Let's do it. I can't believe there's 20 variants of this game out already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so uh, we're at the side select screen. We're playing on an Xbox. I hear you're a PlayStation guy. I'm a PlayStation guy, but there's no excuses. I can do it all. Wow. You're a bigger man than me because I would get really <laughs> mad. I'm more of an Xbox guy than I am a PlayStation yeah, yeah. guy. Yeah, yeah. See, it just, it just feels different. This, it just feels funny in my hand already. The controllers, man. The, the right. I, I love this setup, how they're like offset. Yeah, I don't yeah, know yeah. what it is. So I just moved here from the central time zone. Now I'm on the west coast. How do you get up so early to watch soccer? Because oh, now man. if you're watching the foreign soccer, man, you got to get up at the oh, crack you do of gotta get. You do got to get up early. How early do you typically get up every single day? Uh, I'm, I'm a 515. 515. I'm from 5.15 a.m. What's the, what's the key to getting out of bed that early? Because I'm doing the morning show now with Danny O'Neill. Our yeah. show starts at 7. I'm like trying to get up at 4.30, but I keep pressing the snooze The key button. is if you love your job, you'll get up. And if you don't... But I love sleeping. <laughs> hey, I love my job, man, so I got to wake up. All right, well, let's get this thing started. What's, what's the biggest trick to keeping the body hanging in there? Cold tub. Cold tub? Cold tub. Twice a week. How long? Ten minutes. Ten, ten minutes? Ten minutes in the cold tub. And uh, it does magic for me. So <laughs> what, do you, what, do you, what do you do afterwards? Because I imagine you get out, you're shivering. Oh, you cold afterwards. You just take a shower when you get done. Take a shower? Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But that cold tub saves the legs. Man. Cold tub. Well, see, I got, I got to figure that out. So, like, 
KJ Wright plays in the NFL. I play a little flag football, and right now I'm trying to. I'm tr my knees are not feeling very good this yeah, morning. Yeah. We played a little game yesterday. Um, okay, so you are. Is FIFA your favorite kind of sports game? It used to be. I used to play it all the time in college with my roommate. Mm -hmm. But um, pretty, I'm Madden. Madden. Okay. I'm Madden. Been playing Madden since the early early '90s. Is it weird being in the game now? No, I love it. You love it. Do you <laughs> control it. yourself when you play? No, I'm usually I either control the free safety. I okay. Control, I, I control the free safety most of the time. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Um, so I'm guessing during the days of Earl Thomas, you had a lot of fun yeah, with that yeah, side yeah. of it. That's awesome. Uh, I typically go for one of the defensive linemen. So if I were playing as you guys, I'd be playing a lot as Jadeveon Clowney. Really? Yes. Oh, definitely. So I was covering Clowney with the Houston Texans for a while, and mm -hmm. uh, it was he was a such a such a force there, such a force here too. Uh, I don't know how I'm talking to a player at the same it's time. It's really difficult, isn't it? I don't know yeah. what I'm doing either. <laughs> um, so, okay, so Madden. What, what was your favorite version of Madden? 2011? Madden 11? 2011. <laughs> did, you, did you keep the game? No, no, no. You gotta, no. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta, what were you originally rated? Probably in the low 70s, oh. something like that. Something disrespectful. They always disrespect me. That's awful. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I remember the first time I was on it, it was pretty cool. Go! See, you can you can talk and play very yeah. easily. Look yeah. at you with the first goal of the game. Who's the toughest running back that you've gone up against in your career? The toughest is uh, the running back from the Atlanta Falcons, the big guy with the big thighs. Uh, I'm going blank right Michael now. Michael Turner. Michael Turner. Michael Turner. Monster. What, what was most difficult about him? Just like trying to bring him down. Cannot, I cannot bring him down to save my life. I really? would like bounce off of him. I try to wrap his legs up. I try to hit him high. The dude, the dude is pretty good. Uh, so power running backs are the, are, are the guys that that are maybe yeah. more concerned. Yeah, I do good with the, with the small guys. Mm -hmm. But um, that he he gave me some trouble. The 49ers have like a lot of running backs. There's Breda. There's Tevin Coleman. There's. Mm -hmm. uh, you got uh, Kyle Ushak's coming back, the fullback. Oh yeah. Good. So what, what, when you're going up against a good fullback like that, what's the key to making sure that guy is not getting blocking you? Yeah, yeah. Which well, is with fullbacks, you just got to be physical with him. And um, he's a guy that they use a lot in the passing game and in the run game. Mm -hmm. and so you just got to set the tone early because gotcha. if you give those guys any confidence, they'll just try to attack you all game. Yeah. And so you just got to set the tone pretty early. What do you think mm -hmm. about Garoppolo? Garoppolo, he's good. He's good. It's it's good to see him out there healthy. You know, having a whole season to um, to prove himself, and he's doing a good job. He's um, he's got to get the ball out really quick. He has a great offensive coordinator with a uh, Shanahan, and so um, wow. Is that a goal? <laughs> no, it's mine. Oh, you missed it. You oh, missed it. Oh, come on. All right, we got a little corner here going on here. Uh, so DK Metcalf. Has mm -hmm. been awesome this season, and yeah. he played at. Is there is there a little rivalry between you two since he went to Ole Miss and you you went to Mississippi State? Yeah, yeah. Uh, not at all. I welcome welcome in with open arms, but the Egg Bowl is coming up. Yeah. Here, so. You guys have anything on the line? We putting something on the line. I don't know what it is, but um, both teams are really bad. So, <laughs> oh no. Um, <laughs> the stakes won't be too high. Uh, so I've always wondered at Mississippi State why 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 so much cowbell. You haven't heard? I, I've, I've never heard. I've honestly, I, I never I never knew why. Yeah, yeah, so back in the day, I guess in the early 1900s, uh -huh. they were playing a football game. <laughs> and I guess a random cow had roamed onto the field. Oh, gosh. And Mississippi State had won. And so you... So it's like a lucky cow? It's a lucky cow. And you got the cow and the cowbells. 
and so they've been having it ever since. They tried to ban it, like I guess it was a, it was an advantage, but um, that, that's where it all stemmed from. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have no idea what I'm doing right now, uh, just to be perfectly honest. You're about to miss. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when did they change the free kick yeah, to yeah, this? Yeah. Um, Ah! Yikes! This is this is not this is not looking so hot for me right now. Okay, so 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 I heard uh, you did you propose to your wife at the Boeing Museum? I did. You, are you really passionate about planes? No, not at all. Not at all. No. That's what I would assume. No, no, no. Okay, so what 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 inspired that? I saw the thing was her her dad was in town. Her dad lives in Colombia. Gotcha. Um, no, in South America. And so they was, they was coming into town, and he's a big plane guy. Okay. It's so awesome. Like, what can I do to make it seem like I want to get the family together, but yeah. not give it away? Yeah, yeah. And um, and so we went to the Boeing factory. Okay. And I, I know, I know the, um, I knew the uh, CEO at the time, and I was like, "Can we just do this?" And he's like, "Oh, by all means." Okay. And so everything went smooth. That's awesome. She said yes, and they they did like a thing where they dropped down the "Will You Marry Me" on the side of the plane. Oh, that's sick. And so she saw it. And that's when she, that's when she knew. Is that the, is that the most nervous before that yet you've ever been in your life? I was actually good. She claimed that I was acting real weird that day. <laughs> I, I was like, there's no way, cause I was, I was pretty smooth. There you go. But she claimed I was acting funny, so. Would you, would you ever fly a plane? Like, yeah. would you, have, uh, that's something my dad was really into. Mm -hmm. And I am too scared. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, did, I did the uh, flight simulator. Okay. And that thing feels, it feels real. But yeah, I, I would love to. Ugh. Oh, that was nice. Ah! God, I got, I got to get the offense going here. This You're is robbing me like that. This is, this is. I can't, you know. I feel like right now I'm. Uh. Get out! Get out! No! 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 Get out! Get out! What get out. is this? My goalie has played amazing. I'm not gonna lie. I, I wish I could take credit for it, but that is entirely the computer there. What have you been talking about on your podcast recently? Man, my podcast is called Topic of Discussion. It's with me. Uh, my friend Mike Morgan. Okay. And Ali, Ali the Guru. Okay. There we go. Two nil. <sighs> Can I pull the goalie? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and no, so pretty much we talk about everything. Okay. From relationships to. Okay. We talked about gun control. We talked about um, should athletes be paid, the college experience. We talk about it all. And so it's, it's really fun. We just did it this off season. Awesome. We'll pick it back up when the season ends. All right, cool. What, what's what's been the trickiest part of starting a podcast? The trickiest part of starting a podcast is I think with us we got to um, think of our topics way beforehand because sometimes we just be like, all right, we got a topic. Right. Let's go. But yeah, at the end, then getting the guests in, I want to get some more guests in to come in and, and speak with us. And so we had some good guys come in. Bobby came in. Oh, the, awesome. The twins came in. And um, see, I just want to get more people in. Cool. We brought in a young lady to speak in, speak about relationships, so she can oh, nice. female perspective. Does she have any? In, in, I mean, I, I know you're married now. Is there yeah, is there yeah. any interesting advice that maybe uh, I, I should be taking into my own uh, life? Yes, yeah, I think with guys, guys just need to be more. What's the word I'm looking for? Authentic and real. Okay. Don't be be honest up front. Don't be lying to these young ladies. So tell here. them like right away that I'm a cat dad. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is turning into a body bag game. Okay. Three well, nil. Look, uh, clearly this is no rivalry. You're way better than me at FIFA. Yeah. But is there anything different playing under the lights? And you guys have had a lot of success playing under the lights, Monday night football, or mm -hmm. as we saw earlier this year, Thursday. Any different feel going into the game? 
Um, a little, little bit. You just know that it's Monday. Obviously, everyone's watching, and you know it's a tough opponent. And so I say a little bit at the end of the day when the ball is snapped, it's still football time. You got to run and hit. But but the lead up to the game is more media around it. And so you definitely feel those vibes. But overall, when the ball is snapped, it's go time. All right. Well, uh, KJ just destroyed me. Um, this yeah. was this was awful. I'm gonna need I'm gonna need an ice bath <laughs> after this one because this one Ew. really hurts. Uh, he's KJ Wright. KJ, appreciate it, buddy. Fun, man. This was a lot of fun. Uh, good luck it. this week. Good luck against the 49ers, and mm -hmm. we'll see maybe if the guys can improve to eight and two. Let's do it. Let's, let's do it. Let's do it. Thank you, man. No problem. There they go, Paul Gallant and KJ Wright. I know this about KJ, he's not a cat guy. Because uh, Kevin Pierre-Lewis had a cat, he said when he went over to his house one time, he's like, yeah, I saw that cat. I had my eye on that cat the whole time. I don't trust cats. Paul Gallant is a cat guy. I like cats because they kill things. You like they cats because your, your wife is well, a that too. cat that lover, that. animal lover, and you have no choice. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, that's actually the truth. It is the truth. I don't no, trust but I've cats. learned to love them. You don't trust him either? I don't trust him. KJ doesn't either. You can go out and live your own life for a week and come back. You don't need me. That's why I like dogs. <laughs> Give me a dog. He needs me. Yeah, the cats do and they, have. And they move stuff. The cats kind of have that uh, I really don't give a bleep about no, you, man. No. I'm self-sufficient. I can take care of it. But it was so funny. KJ was like, yeah, I had my eye on that cat the whole night. <laughs> like, they're not evil, man. <laughs> All right. That was uh, entertaining. KJ, such a good dude. Uh, and, uh, well, I'll tell you what, coming up, we're going to do our final thoughts. I don't like giving predictions, but we'll tell you how we think this game is going to go. Paul Moyer, Michael Bumpus, Dave Wyman, that's next on Hawks Live. Hawks Live, every Thursday from 7 to 9, live at Snoqualmie Casino on 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome back to the Snoqualmie Casino. Michael Bumpus, Paul Moyer, Dave Wyman. Guys, final thoughts going into this game. I, you know, it's funny when the you start talking about it in the beginning. First, you you know kind of go through and do the autopsy on the game before, and then about Tuesday, Wednesday, you start feeling getting a feeling for this game. And I, I feel like the the longer this week goes, sometimes I get more uptight, kind of like before Baltimore. I, I felt like, oh man, how are they going to stop this running game? Um, but you know, that's not like I was 100% this year, but that, that's how the feeling went as the week went on. This week, I'm starting to feel more positive, and maybe it's because there's so, been so much negativity around the 7-2 and two team. How do you guys feel uh, that the outcome, what's it going to look like on Monday night? Well, I, as you know, the, the movie Blink, or the book Blink, uh, mm -hmm. I, I try to do a quick assessment and just say, okay, now let me go analyze it and see what I'm seeing. Is that true or not? And my first thought when I looked at them, San Francisco, I went, wow. I go, they are a problem. And it, I can't get this vision out of my mind of these four or five defensive linemen just barreling down on people and the corners and safeties, they're all just sitting there. They're not even backpedaling. They're just waiting for the guys to come to them so that they can jump the pass. And I can't get that vision out of my brain. And, and so we cannot get into a second and long, third and long situation. We're going to have to make this very physical football game. They're physical. But they're not physical in the run game defensively. That is their one weakness, and we have got to exploit that. I, it's the, Dave, I will say this. In five, six years, it's the first time I've really said, 
I don't know how we're going to beat them. Now, I, I, I'm hoping I'm wrong because now I start game plan and I watch the Arizona game. And I go, there's plays to be had. We're going to have to take shots downfield. We're going to have to be patient in the running game. I think we can do some stuff to them defensively. I'm curious to see how that game plan comes up. But I've, we've, we've been in this situation before. We went, mm, this is going to be a tough game for Russell, only for Russell to just light it up. He sees it different than we do. But this is the, I think this is one of the toughest games we're going to play in the last four or five years. Mm. I think they're that good up front. I think with getting D Ford and this Bosa kid, it is, it's a relentless defense that's playing at a super high level. And so I'm really curious to say, can we physically get after them on the line and just say, you know what, here's what we do. We're, we may run it 20 times in a row, and then we're going to take some shots downfield once we loosen you up. It's, it's going to be a tough game. I'm looking for the break. Like, where can the Seahawks catch a break? So every day I've been looking at the injury report. Who's healthy? Who's not healthy? Where, where is there a matchup that these guys can exploit? And when I see D Ford questionable, you know he's going to play. But at least I know, hey, he's banged okay, up. Okay, there. He, he's banged up. Uh, Britta, questionable. He's going to play. Okay, he's going to play, but, but, but maybe he's banged up. So now I, I look for where's the break going to be. And then when I, when I think of the football game, I look at the emotional part of the game. It's Monday night. They're in San Fran. They have to weather the first wave of the storm. You have to weather the first wave. You can't let the Niners come out and drive the ball down the field, put up seven, and then have the Hawks go three and out. That first half of the first quarter is going to be crucial. Can they find themselves to calm down, execute the offense, and and overcome all of the hype? Because to me, this is the biggest game in the NFL all year. You got the seven and two Hawks versus the eight and zero Forty Niners. The rivalry is renewed. The NFC West is hot right now, so there's a lot of emotion behind this. Get through that first wave, and then it comes down to okay, who's the better coach team, and then who's going to execute. And I look at this Forty Nine er defense, and you talk about Bosa, um, um, Eric Armstead, like all these guys who are making plays. Um, how is Russell going to handle that? How is that O line going to handle that? Russell was hit eleven times last game. 11 times, and this is the best defensive line these guys are going to see. So keep him upright, find a break somewhere, exploit that matchup, and weather the emotional storm, that's inevitable. I'm curious on the emotion, who's, who is more emotional? Because the one thing I did, bo- I don't want to say bother, because I heard you the other day, what worries me. The challenge is they play with a lot of emotion, too. Um, I, the one stat, I think of their 30 sacks, 24 of them have come from the defensive line, which means they're rushing four guys. Ours, we got linebackers and safeties and all over the board. But you can't ever underestimate Pete Carroll, prime time, Russell Wilson, just our physical nature and, you know, the experience that we have. I can't wait for Monday. I really, I'm I'm, I'm so excited. My gut is it's going to be a tough game. We're going to have to play a perfect game, and we're capable of doing it. Yeah, well, and also, you mentioned Pete Carroll. What are they on prime time? Some ridiculous thing. It's like 27-5-1. and 27-5-1. And and on, in prime time. That's Since pretty Pete Carroll. Good. And then they're also 44-17 and 17, November, December, January, and regular season games. So, look, this is, a, this is a second half of the season team. And then, you know, I heard a national guy saying that Russell Wilson has had to come back in, what, three games, four games. But that's... Four. That's the bonus. That's that's a good yeah. thing. That's a good thing. But I know I understand what he's saying because, you know, the, the Niners haven't had to do that. But 
you know, there's nothing like a, a two by four upside the head. And if they're able to to give that defense run on them, they're not great. They're middle of the road as far as run defense goes. Four point seven yards per carry. I mean, yeah. that's that's a high number. Yeah. You so, know, so I, I I agree, Dave. Yeah, but so. I, I'll tell you this: the thing that I guess bothers me the most. Yeah, they have talent, but they're playing together right now. You look at San Francisco, and I guess the one example I would give is their running game. When you watch the runs, they're pretty old school. They're pretty, I don't want to say basic, but, you know, they're, they're, they're plays actually from our era, Paul, from the 80s and 90s. They line up an I, and they run Power O and Bob and all those different things. But I saw a running play, and, and when you freeze it, you see a body on a body. Like, everybody's doing their job. I was watching the Carolina game, and one of, a blocker goes out and just abuses Luke Keekley, like blocks him up and then just slams him to the ground. I'm like, man, I want, who's that guy? I was expecting to see a guard or a tackle. It was George Kittle. Uh, Kittle's a man. Yeah, so, I mean, we'll see if he's able to play. But uh, just the way they're playing together right now, that's the thing, I guess, that, that concerns me and that the Seahawks aren't playing together and yeah. i mean good enough to be seven and two but i feel like they have much more potential that uh, if they do play together the way san francisco is and look they're well coached they are well coached. <laughs> so they they will at some point and I, i'm waiting to see it but i'm with you paul i can't i can't wait to to watch on monday and i think they certainly have a chance to beat them oh, but i think everybody yeah. else is you know and well, especially around town. I think it's kind of a defense mechanism for fans. They don't want to go too far in on this team. But I say go go all in, man. Put all your chips in and watch this team go down. Because this would be, if you look at the schedule, it's by far the, it would be the most unlikely win. Oh, yeah. It, yeah. It's their, remember last year? I thought, I don't know if you guys felt this way, but Carolina had won 10 in a row at home going back to the previous year. And... That was a tough trip to make. That was an unlikely win. And they, early on, they shut the running game down. And then Russell did his magic. And, they, you know. Well, yeah. and we saw what happened in New England against Baltimore and went up against a really good football team. I mean, all of a sudden, their mystique is over. And if I didn't dislike San Francisco so much, because I do not dislike a team more than San Francisco, just a rivalry. Just, and it, it goes back to the 80s, you guys. Never liked them. If I didn't dislike them so much, I would love to watch them. I, I really do because they are a fun team you to watch. You feel bad that you like watching Oh, them. man, when they're having fun. They're having fun the right way. It's not even a, a disrespectful way. It's, it's to themselves. It reminds me. I hate doing this because other teams have brought this up in the past. Oh, it reminds me of the Seahawks in 2013. It reminds me of the 2013 Seahawks defense. Mm. The way they're just flying around, having fun, making plays, getting after the quarterback. They're really good, and I hope we put a whooping on them. And they're a tough team. There was a play last week where uh, Kittle goes for a block and looks like he hyperextends his knee. Three plays later, they give him the ball. He stiffs arms the dude, drives him to the ground, dives into the end zone. I'm like, this is a tough football team. And then they score, and the celebration is, is just different. You know, when the Seahawks score, everyone's excited. They do their dance or something, but... When the 49ers scored, it seemed like it was just a release of emotion and everyone was on the same page. And like you said, they're playing together. They are a tight-knit group, and that is a dangerous group. I don't care if you're the best team in the NFL, you're a middle-of-the-road uh, NFL team. If you play together and you get about 45 guys believing in what the heck's going on, you become extremely dangerous. And I truly believe a man that handsome, that pretty, <laughs> like Garoppolo, 
cannot truly take it to the promised land. You got to have some <laughs> something negative, right? A hundred million dollars, the best looking quarterback in the history of the NFL. Oh man, you cannot. Oh, Tom Brady. That's what my have wife said. About that. <laughs> well, Tom's Tom's nice looking, but you know, Garoppolo's at another level, man. That's I'm the, just saying. That's the rumor in New England that Tom wanted him run out of town because he, he was too good he looking. Was too good looking. See, that's what I mean. Yeah, the jealousy. <laughs> that's what I mean. He can't wow. win a Super Bowl being that handsome because <laughs> he can't have it all. He no, can't be that. Handsome, I never won a Super Bowl because of that. <laughs> all right. That's why, I, that's why I didn't win one, huh? That's exactly. why I didn't win one. There that's we why go. we all have all a right. one one. You know what, Moyer? I'm going to let you go out on a good note tonight. That was well done. Hey, we want to thank everybody. Our engineer, Brenna Hutchison on the board, DJ Wilder, of course, NASA Chobie, our producer, KJ Wright, Joey Hunt. For Paul Moyer, Michael Bumpus, I'm Dave Wyman, and we'll talk to you in two weeks. Coming back here to the Snoqualmie Casino on Hawks Live.